Welcome to the Ripcord Moment, a podcast focused on empowering owners to optimize the outcome of their business succession plan and achieve their perfect landing. For most owners, the majority of their net worth is tied up in their business. And yet many struggle to create a plan that maximizes the value of their business with their personal financial plan. As a seasoned advisor for over 20 years, I help guide owners through the exit planning process with both their personal and professional goals in mind. When it comes to succession planning, there are numerous factors that play a role in passing the reins to the next owner of a business. And in this podcast, we showcase the owners and their team of trusted advisors that have navigated these challenges, structured successful deals, and ultimately achieved their perfect landing. Welcome to the Ripcord Moment. I'm your host, Joe Situ. Today we're joined by Robert Grossman. He's the CEO of Black Diamond Leadership. They're a national management training company, an executive leadership coaching organization dedicated to proving the performance of their teams to drive peak performance and increase profitability. Robert, welcome to the podcast. Welcome. You're hired to be my marketing executive if oh, you want. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> well, look, I know you spend a lot of time talking about everything from you know, psych- psychological safety to leadership, team building, uh, emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. improvement in culture. What are, I guess, what started that as your passion in this industry and how, do, how does that skill set lend to helping your clients get uh, to a higher level? Yeah, it's a great question. And when I first started doing this work, I was really passionate about leadership coaching. I wanted to work with leaders. And we would do workshops and coaching and they would improve but the overall situation in the company wouldn't improve. So there was a gap that I wasn't seeing. And as I studied it more, what I began to realize was that leaders weren't being trained with the tools that they really needed to have in order to manage a team of people. And and so- So to have the impact across the the organization to really make a difference. Exactly, exactly. And so what we found is that leaders would get upset, they'd get triggered, um, when they, when, if they're triggered, they were trying to coach somebody or have a conversation. They weren't really present in the conversation either. Okay. And, you know, and it's a, we, we do know that most people leave their companies primarily because of their direct manager or supervisor, not because of money. Yeah. So my mission is to turn that around. I love that. Well, and I think it's ever important, more important now. You hear of like this great resignation that's yeah. going on. We've had COVID. Um, what is it about um, this kind of work that makes it so impactful? I guess, how are you defining success uh, around these sort of softer skills, if you will? So uh, you mentioned psychological safety, yes. for example, and it's a relatively new area. Okay. And um, I was honored to be the first cohort in North America to be certified as a psychological safety coach, coach. and consultant. And and the, the idea behind psychological safety is really about engagement and learning innovation. So most people are afraid to speak up. You're right. So for example, sure. if you're my, my boss yes. and I want to say something to you or mm-hmm. for in a meeting, I might refrain from sharing something out of fear that I might be punished or ridiculed or teased or mocked. So I become more quiet. Yeah. Well, then people don't really have the experience that they matter in companies, that their opinions matter. Right. And more so than ever, this newer generation 
that they want to participate in the process. Right. So, so we look at psychological safety as a means of removing fear from companies. But it takes it a step further than that too. When we have psychological safety, people report mistakes more quickly, so corrective action can be taken immediately. Yeah. And so we look at learning and innovation. And especially now, like in your business, for example, you're all knowledge workers. Yes. Right? Nobody's here is cranking anything out, right? Sure. And in order to be knowledge workers, we have to be able to collaborate and work together and share those ideas that sometimes aren't shared. So it sounds like you're really helping to provide that skill set, like you're saying, because, the, uh, because we're such a service industry, uh, a based economy predominantly mm -hmm. in terms mm -hmm. of how so many jobs these days, but yet again, the training hasn't been there historically uh, around some of these emotional intelligence issues. Beyond right. beyond uh, the, sort of the, the psychological safety component, what are some of the other uh, skills that you're bringing to the table to improve performance for your clients? Yeah, so step one, we begin to work with a client is we begin with emotional intelligence. Okay. Um, and when we talk about emotional intelligence, what we're really talking about is just recognizing that we're emotional beings mm -hmm. and that we react to life's events emotionally first, right? And when you react to something, usually you're triggered. You're triggered, right? Okay. And you say things that you don't want to say, right? You know, or you can't listen, you're not present. So we want to understand that. And so we develop leaders and teams to recognize when they're having what I call a key moment. Okay. And a key moment is nothing more than you say something to me uh -huh. and I get triggered by it. Okay. So I demand some kind of a response. So when, when leaders are not developed in emotional intelligence, they're not able to really listen to people mm -hmm. and they're, they're, again, reacting to situations. And we want people to respond to situations. As, so opposed, to being, as opposed to being reactive. Being reactive, yeah. So okay. slow it down a little bit. Okay. And what are the benefits then if you're ultimately able to get your leaders, your teams, to get away of this sort of toxic reactivity okay. to more of responding, what does that ultimately lead to? Well, I have a, an example. Yes, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm working with a large pharma company. I'm okay. working with a, a team of 23 All right. right now. And we started in January, and it's a psychological safety pilot program. So we... That sounds pretty innovative for a company to take this on. It, it, it is, yeah. but they're also committed to what's called total worker health. Nice. So, so companies during and post-COVID are focusing more on the total worker health, like emotional well-being yeah. as well, too. Okay. So, so we went through the emotional intelligence and mm -hmm. psychological safety, and during a coaching session, this one leader said, you know, I have to share a situation. I was leading a presentation for my team, and somebody on my team raised their hand in front of the entire team and said, hey, you misspelt a word twice in your presentation. Okay. I was like, okay, well, what would you have normally done? What would you do? And he said, well, normally I would get snarky, make some stupid comment, and insult this person in some way. Right. Okay, okay, well, what did you do instead? He said, well, I felt the anxiety, I mm -hmm. paused, I kind of heard you in the back of my head, and I looked at the person and I said, you know what, thank you very much for letting me know I'm going to fix it right away, and I appreciate your commitment to my success. I love that. That's right? beautiful. So I said, well, what did you create? Yeah. He said, well, I improved trust and psychological safety on my team. So, and I asked him one more question. I said, do you believe that the respect your team has for you was also increased? And he said, without a doubt. And let me just ask some, 
if you know if you're comfortable sharing, was sure. just somebody who previously, like you said, typically would have responded in not yes. such a nice manner, that really was struggling to get buy-in and trust from their their team and their I guess uh, yeah from their team yeah okay. their team exactly right yeah so that's just that's one one easy example sure another quick example was another client had a um, um, a surprise visit by OSHA. And there, there was an anonymous report that a surprise visit, and they shared with me how they responded to that. She said, normally, I would have run around like a chicken with my head cut off, right. and instead I felt the anxiety, I engaged my emotional intelligence, I took a deep breath, and I was able to respond to the entire situation. As opposed to reacting. react. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. What do you think it is about the human psychology or the human condition that causes us to when confronted with a real or perceived threat to react in such a strong manner? There's actually a name for it. Okay, what is that and name? It's called, <laughs> it's called the amygdala hijack. Amygdala hijack. Right, okay. so, yeah. so for those who don't know, the amygdala is a small part of our brain yep. that is really responsible for fight and flight. Yes. And so when the amygdala thinks you're under threat. Sure. It releases the hormones like cortisol and mm -hmm. epinephrine, which gets you kind of jacked up and you're either going to fight or run or flight, sure. right? Well, the amygdala and our brains don't know the difference between a real or imagined threat. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up, amygdala hijack, because I've actually heard it in a different context, which is behavioral finance. Mm -hmm. And that is when people are seeing, for example, we're going through it right now with the stock market down, you know, 25% for the year. And they open their statements, not a Morton statement, but a statement from uh, perhaps another financial advisor. They say their portfolio down substantially. There is that sort of emotional uh, knee-jerk reaction, and it is that amygdala. Well, they're, that having a, they're having a key moment. Yeah, exactly. In that moment, right? Sure. So, and not necessarily a good one. No, key moments aren't always good. Right. So, so the so the the process is to develop certain exercises. Yeah. And and certain distinctions that you can begin to recognize when your amygdala is hijacking you and hit that pause button. And then they can then, again, respond versus react. And so this technology or training is also, could be considered a love course. Okay. Because it dramatically improves relationships with, not only at work, but in every aspect yep. of your life. Yeah. I want to bring it to sort of back to the theme though of like what we talk about on the ripcord moment, which is this, uh, what we typically are engaging in is looking at for business owners mm -hmm. perspective on if they ultimately have some sort of succession event. And you're really helping, I think, to instill greater enterprise value within the company mm -hmm. and even a more resilient organization. But in your experience, like what are some of the key takeaways that business owners have shared with you through working with you and Black Diamond? Well, one thing they come back with right away is that they're spending a lot less time working in their business and more on their business. And that's critical. That's critical, right? right? So and it's allowing them to sort of get their eyes up out on the horizon right. to do the strategic planning, not just being putting out today's firefights. Right. Because uh, we're developing their leaders to really yes. lead. Right. right. And then they can focus on more important more valuable activities. So what you're talking about here is sort of essentially not only developing people, but also the infrastructure of the business. Right. right. Yeah. And I would imagine if you're looking at a company and you're evaluating the people, you know, if you do something like a cultural survey beforehand, yeah. I don't know if they do that or not, but if they were, oh, absolutely. then it was really low, then the perceived value of the business might be less than one that comes back with a very high engagement survey with a company. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, right, a, a, 
a buyer, if they're going to buy a business from a, from a seller, I mean, they're ultimately looking at how risky is this business? If I take the owner or some of the key management team out, so to the extent they have a strong internal culture that almost you know anybody can step up and lead because mm -hmm. they have an emotional intelligence, mm -hmm. it's going to be way more attractive from a buyer perspective because it's simply a less risky organization. Yes, absolutely. It's a much more resilient organization. Absolutely. And this work also plays really well during and after the merger occurs as well. Yeah. Because, of course, when two companies merge, there might be a lack of trust. Well, and that actually brings up an interesting point. Have you um, have you had been engaged in a situation where uh, a company's gone through some sort of reorg or a merger or an acquisition? Uh, I did. And what was the, tell yeah. us a little bit about so like what that experience was like and what you learned. So it was in a different business that I owned, but yep. we used a lot of the same technology. It was when I was producing events and video, okay. and I was part of the team, external team, when Deloitte um, absorbed a lot of Anderson employees when the mm. Enron deal. Went went down. Wow, and that was really a tense time, yeah. right? Because the accounting industry was—it was almost like everybody, the entire world, was pointing the fingers at the accounting right. industry, saying, "How could you let this happen?" Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I was more on the uh, preparing content, the communication strategy, but I sat in the boardrooms, if you will, the meeting rooms, listening to them talk about the challenges. So, uh, so I had, I had to incorporate some of that into the, the the communication strategy that we put behind it. Yeah as well. Maybe we can talk a little bit about using your, what we're talking about here in terms of emotional intelligence, psychological safety. I mean, it's been a really challenging environment, I know, for many leaders of organizations to re-engage workers, for example, either to come back into the office mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. even just the labor market in general is a challenging one. So what sort of tools are you imparting with your clients or how are you helping your clients deal with uh, some, of these, uh, some of these issues? Well, the, part of the project that we're working on with that pharma company is helping them to become a destination employer. Okay. Right, which is a term that they use, not me. Mm -hmm. But I loved it when I, when I heard it. And, and so in order to become a destination employer, you have to create the environment where each and every team member has the experience that they matter. Right? That, they, that their input matters, that they're going to make a difference in the organization, that they're going to understand, even if it's a larger company, how what they do fits into the bigger picture, even though they might only have you know, a, a small slice of exposure. Yeah. Right? So, um, so that, this work does help a company create that type of an environment. It's really, when it comes to the end of the day, the work that we're doing is really helping to develop the culture. Absolutely. The organization. Yeah, and you're making a... a a critical and needed investment yeah. from the owners, the leadership team, into uh, the company, the staff, yeah. the people, um, to let them know they matter, their careers matter, mm -hmm. uh, their success matters. Let's go back to the example of sure. the guy giving the presentation yes. and, the, and, and the person wrote, raised their hand. Mm -hmm. And that was a really risky thing to do, because number one, this person happened to be a woman, she was telling her boss that he made a mistake publicly okay. in front of other people. Wow. Right? But what, what, what really occurred? What was built by that? Number one, that people now f in that team will speak up when they see something that isn't right. Okay. Right? Yeah, you need that. We, right? You know, and and there's, there's situations, you may have heard of Dieselgate, for example, with Volkswagen. Yes. Okay, <clears throat> so real quick on that, you know, the, the CEO of Volkswagen at the time 
was insistent that Volkswagen be the largest seller of cars and they're going to use the diesel Jetta. Yeah. Right? Well, the engineers could not get the results that the CEO demanded. So what did they do? They tweaked the software. Yeah. Right? Because they, they were afraid thing. to tell him. They were afraid. Yeah. Right? To say, we can't do this. Yeah. Well, we know the result of that. Right? They lost a lot of their market share. Yeah. But that's what we call, you know, um, um, you know silence. Yeah. Right? And we want, to, we want to discourage that. So when you look at this one person, now other members of the team will be willing to also share information. I want to need to define one thing. Please. Because when I first started doing this, people said, oh, psychological safety, is that for people who are really kind of weak, weak. or they use snowflakes right. at the time? Yeah. And I said, you know what, absolutely not. It's the opposite. Yeah. Because psychological safety creates radical candor in an organization. Mm -hmm. Now, just because we have psychological safety doesn't mean I come to you and say, hey, Joe, I've got this great idea, and you have to entertain that idea. Right. I have to be willing to also hear you know, Robert, now's not the right time for that. Let's sure. talk about it in a month, right? So it's a two-way street, Absolutely. not just well, one, I think that's one a, way. Yeah, really good point, right? That it opens the door, right, um, to more conversation, more feedback, yeah. but it doesn't mean that uh, everything's going to be implemented right then. Right, yeah. exactly, so. exactly. Well, we, you know, we call this a ripcord moment because I'm a firm believer that uh, when an owner goes to sell their business or have a, maybe a family succession event or whatever it is, that they need to be prepared. It's a once-in-a-lifetime event for most mm -hmm. entrepreneurs, unless you're a serial mm -hmm. entrepreneur. Uh, and that ripcord can't fail. That parachute has got to open so that they make for a safe landing. Uh, and in your opinion, what would be two action items that an owner could do sooner than later to help get them and their business more prepared for a succession event? Well, I think, number one, uh, they can work with their, their, their leaders to develop them to be the type of leaders who know how to create high performance teams and teamwork. And the reason is, is I would imagine we talk, spoke about earlier, that it would be important for somebody who's going to buy the company or invest in the company to know that the service company's most important asset, its people, yeah. are intact, if you yeah. will. So that would be one thing. Um, number two, based on what how I could help a company, uh, I think looking at psychological safety as it's not a thing, more of a destination okay. to create that environment of radical candor in a company is, is what is needed as, during any kind of a transition. Needed every single day. Sure. But especially during transitions. Because that's a period of high stress. High stress. A lot of change. Right. Things right. are unknown. Right. Right. You right. want people to come up to you and say, you know what, this yeah. is, I'm, I'm, I am stressed out by this transition. Yeah. Right. And so now you can have a conversation about right. it and coach that person acknowledge it, and then hopefully you know, move, move on right. versus sweep it under the carpet. Yeah, be proactive in the solutions before exactly. something breaks. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, Robert, it's been great uh, having Thank you on. You. If our audience wants to get a hold of you, uh, how might they go about doing that? Well, easy. Um, two ways. Number one, my, go to my website, um, www.blackdiamondleadership.com, or just give me a call, 818-231-5238, third way is an email, and it's very simple, robert at blackdiamondleadership.com. Great having you on as a guest. Great being here. We're going to sign off, and this is Joe C2 from the Ripcord Moment, and we'll catch you next time.